Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and today I'm joined alongside my Kentucky boy as always. How you doing, Angelo? I'm doing well, my Colorado boy here, <laughs> Brendan. Now having a having a good day. It's sad though because we are wrapping up our divisional grades today. And if unless we do like an overall like where we where we just rank like all 32 teams or something, this will be the last. Uh, the, this will pretty much be our last show of 2022 draft until we just you know forget about it forever and go into the 2023 ether. So that's kind of that's that's a little disheartening because we spent so much time on 2022 and debating and arguing and then poof, once it happens, it's like gone. No, I I couldn't agree more, Angelo. And it's like we spend hours and hours and hours of watching the film, breaking players down, talking about the draft, and at the same time, it felt like it was. It went by in a couple of weeks, you know, even though this has been like a half a year long process, but it's just, you know, we enjoy it so much. And it's like you said a couple of weeks ago, hate to see you leave, but I love to see you walk away or however that thing goes, because we got the 2023 draft right around the corner. So even though this one's getting kicked out, we're going to have another phenomenal one coming right up after yeah, this this neck this 2023 draft looks loaded. But before we talk before we talk about the new girl, all right, let's finish <laughs> up with the old. Let's talk about the NFC and AFC West. Oh, absolutely. I'm super excited. Like you said, this is going to be our final final division breakdown and since Angelo, since I went first last week, I'm going to give you the floors to take over and break down your NFC West teams first and then like we did similarly the last week, we're going to rank all 8 of those teams and see who had the best draft out of the out of all the Wests? Speaking of that, Brendan, how are you feeling? Because last week we did this. You went first because you had a little uh, bout with COVID. Oh, I am feeling so good, my man. I have I have not ever felt better. Um, you know, actually, I take that back. I'm I'm a little sad because our boy Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you saw announced his retirement today. The legend. I did Fitz, not see that. Yeah, the legend Fitz Magic has decided to hang it up. So other than that, I'm actually doing pretty dang good. I I don't know. I I I definitely respect everything that he went through, and the beard was glorious, and then. Um, what was that, uh, Fitzpatrick McGregor when he went to the to the Tampa <laughs> Bay podium that a couple years ago? But I don't know if a if a quarterback got as much mileage off of being a journeyman than he did. Like I can't remember the last backup quarterback we were just like this guy all over the news, like. Especially for a guy that didn't get drafted high. Like, Vinny Testaverde, at least it made sense. But, like, maybe, like, Doug Flutie was the last time we've had a quarterback like him get that much press. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, he's just he's such a lovable character, dude. And, no, I, I just I, – I love how the NFL community just collectively decided to all love and appreciate Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I don't know how it happens, but it does. So It was just like a simple <laughs> – after, after that, that, that uh, chest hair, glasses, big hair, like, you know, uh, the Fitz magic when that started, it definitely – it was just a forever pass, like a forever hall pass for any NFL fan. You're allowed to like Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, because he's played for your team, likely, so you can <laughs> you can root for the guy. That's true. That's true. All right, we will start with my NFC West draft grades, and the NFC West. 
uh, I'll tell you right now, was not fun to pour over. Um, you have, you know, you had teams like the Rams and uh, the Rams who gave up first, second, and third round picks. You had the Niners who gave up a first round pick, but it felt like they gave up a first, second, and third round pick. And then you have another team, but I'll start off at the top. It's pretty easy for me and for anybody that's listened to the show the last couple of months. I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. With their first pick at pick nine overall, they picked my second overall player in this class in Charles Cross. At round two, they had back-to-back picks at pick 40 and pick 41. Of course, due to the Russell Wilson trade, uh, this is this is what, what their first draft post-Russell Wilson looks like. Uh, Boy Mafe, edge out of Minnesota, and then Kenneth Walker the third, running back from Michigan State. At Pick 72 in round three, they picked Abraham Lucas, offensive tackle, Washington State. In round four and round five, they went for the defensive backfield with Kobe Bryant. No, not the basketball player. The cornerback from Cincinnati, uh, Tariq Woolen, a cornerback from University of Texas San Antonio, who we talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. who I had in my top ten corners. So that is interesting to see him, and I know you'll pontificate about that more later. Uh, pick 158, round five, Tyreek Smith, linebacker, Ohio State. And then in round seven, they took two wide receivers, which was interesting, just kind of throwing darts at the board at Bo Melton from Rutgers and Derek Young from Lenore Ryan. So ultimately, I gave this draft grade A. And I don't know if you think that's high. I think that's uh, it, it's a draft that from pick, from their first pick, to about the Woolen pick and possibly even the Smith pick, I just thought that they maximized their value uh, out of out of pretty much every single pick, or at least if they didn't maximize the value, they got needs and built a foundation. And that's kind of what I said about it. The Seattle Seahawks are looking to remake their roster after a decade of dominance. I think that this draft is foundational. Like I said, Charles Cross was my second overall player and a player that I think can become the best pass blocker in all of football. Cross is only three years removed from high school. He's used a redshirt sophomore declaring, leaving a lot of room for growth to an already outstanding skill set. Like I said, I think he'd be the best pass blocker in the league, and I think he's a tad underrated run blocker. Boy Mafe is a very good athlete. Though he's light on college production, like he only had 14 sacks in four years, uh, but... He did test as a super athlete. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you're not super high on Boy Mafe. I, I like everything he brings to the table except for his bend. Except for his bend, which is important, which is important. It's kind of like me with Jermaine Johnson in that mm-hmm. aspect. I liked everything except the bend, and I think that's pretty important. But he did test as a great athlete, so we'll see if this is the type of player. I think it's interesting. I, I really like, um, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm totally going to mess up the the name who's the they have a, like a, a a defensive end named taylor from tennessee do you remember his first name he hurt his neck in the daryl taylor here mm. we go they had daryl taylor who coming out a couple of years ago i actually like really liked as a prospect he had really fantastic bend and he was really tall he was kind of like a developmental top tier pass rusher maybe Mafe could play the other side Kenneth Walker III was viewed as either the second or first best running back in this class with a lot of people kind of seeing a drop-off. Like it was Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then the next tier. So even even though 
I wasn't as high on the NFL prospectus as for Kenneth Walker. For the overall consensus, it seemed to be good value. You know that that Carroll's going to want to run the ball. I mean, that's pretty much what forced Wilson out was the fundamental aspect of keeping a a heavy run first offense. And uh, after transferring from Wake Forest, man, Walker just he lit the college football world on fire this past year and. Like I said, I'm I'm I, I'm trying to separate my feelings from the consensus, and consensus would say that that was a good pick, especially when you're going to trot out Drew Locke next year as your starter. You might want to might want to have someone to hand the ball off to. Yeah. Seattle had two of the biggest holes in the NFL at their starting tackle spots. Like I think there are a couple other spots, like corner for the Texans, tackle left tackle for the saints like there's there are some spots in the league where the hole was like okay you're gonna have to pick someone because the need is so great i felt that way about both of seattle's starting spots so to get lucas who's talented has upside and he's really big like he he he's going to be able to pass block at right tackle well enough to hold up with his athleticism he's just he's just the perfect bookend for charles cross so in Two rounds in one in two days, day one and day two, the I think Seattle got the foundation of their offensive line at both tackle spots, which is really ironic because in Russell Wilson's time, we always talked about how he was never protected enough, and now you've got two bookends that he would have loved to develop with with uh, Cross and Lucas. And uh, lastly, the Seahawks strengthened their secondary on day three, including. A player many thought, uh, including one Brendan Bolin, that Pete Carroll would cover covet, and that is Tariq Woolen. He stands at six four, ran a four two six forty, and leaped forty two inches into the air. I Golly. figured, yeah, I figured that <laughs> for that athletic profile for his size, that Pete Carroll would take a chance to develop him, and I think that that's a really fun long term piece. And like I said, Smith, Melton, Young. I think Smith's interesting because you get a you get a linebacker from Ohio State that can maybe just you know be be your meat and potatoes type of linebacker. Uh, said that he runs on motor, so I like you know you know we always like to hear players talk about the the grittier things than the great things. But overall, that's that that is Seattle's entire draft. But I I give it a solid A. I think that that this is something with the two bookend tackles. You get a running back. You kind of remake your offense going forward and on defense you get an athletic edge player you've get you've you get two corners to kind of try to keep that secondary fresh with the high upside guy in woolen you get smith and two wide receiver darts at the end i i i just thought that you know you have to include the wilson trade you have to include the jamal adams trade like all this stuff matters but just looking at their draft i i was very impressed with how they attacked it in terms of value and need. Uh, absolutely, Angelo. And I, I I agree that I would give this an A as well. I don't think it's too high. And you know, honestly, I think it's like like you said, this is a nice foundational draft. Like they're building in essence a completely new football team. I mean, you lost your two 
to your leader on the offensive side of the ball in Russell Wilson and your leader on the defensive side of the ball in Bobby Wagner. So this is just a staple for what you want to do as a Seattle Seahawks going forward. And I think being able to cement those tackles like you were talking about is absolutely huge because you're not trying to go on another 10-year stretch where you just can't block for a, for a quarterback to save his life, you know? And then Kenneth Walker was somebody else that I was super high on. I think he was the best pure runner out of all the running backs in this class, and I think that's going to go really well with the Seahawks. And if you know if they could have a healthy Chris Carson and Kenneth Walker, and you know the guy that went off for the last what four games of last season and Penny, are you talk? Are you talking about contract year goat in Rashad? <laughs> Pen- he said, "I don't want to make pennies anymore. I'm making millions, baby." And he just decided to rip off one of the greatest. One of the greatest money grabs in history. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's a good backfield brew in there. So if you're going in a run-first direction, I absolutely love how they attacked it. And then one other player I have to highlight, Tariq Woolen, somebody that we were joking about that Pete Carroll was just salivating over. You know, I was he, not joking. No, it, it, like... It's it was fun it was fun to joke it about fun, it but we were all like we were, no this we is serious. this is going yeah. to happen you 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 even said like this is going to happen if it is an opportunity that is it will be taken by Pete Carroll and it is, you and you nailed it <laughs> it's such a stereotypical Pete Carroll pick and I love it though you know there's people saying that this guy you know yes he's a little raw because he's still relatively new to the position but he has like the upwards talent of a guy that could have been drafted in like early third round or something like that so. Uh, I think teams might have been a little scared to to take a chance on that raw aspect of him, but for what he was able to do for only playing two years at cornerback, I love it. And I, I agree with you. The Seahawks absolutely killed this draft, and I think it was far, like very, very obviously the best draft out of the NFC West. Yeah, I, I probably in retrospect would give it an A minus just because of like the the Russell Wilson Jamal Adams mm-hmm. kind of lingering over it. But to be honest, like I just felt I felt like at each pick it was it, it just the players made sense. They were highly rated all year long. They they've got positional value, and it just I, I really I really liked the cross Lucas bookends. Uh, Any time that you can just seal a position for a decade, you know, hopefully <laughs> right. I think it's pretty good. But yeah, yep, so we're in agreement with Seattle. Next up, I think I think isn't too surprising either. The Arizona Cardinals. They picked Trey McBride at the Trey McBride position out of Colorado <laughs> yeah. State at pick fifty five round two. At eighty seven in round three, Cameron Thomas at edge out of San Diego State. They come back thirteen picks later at one hundred. To pick Majai, I'm, I'm butchered that, Majai, Majai Sanders, edge out of Cincinnati. And then they just didn't have picks. And I didn't look up why they didn't have any fourth or fifth round picks. But they had five picks between round six and seven. It was Keontae Ingram, running back of USC. Lasitas Smith, offensive lineman, Virginia Tech. Christian Matthew, cornerback, Valdosta State. Jesse Lukita, linebacker out of Penn State. You probably know more about him than I do. And Marquise Hayes, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. I gave this draft a C+. Okay. And that is because the Cardinals made one of the bigger splashes of the night in day one, trading their first-round pick for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Because days later... 
uh, DeAndre Nuke Hopkins. They just love nickname wide receivers. I feel yeah. like that that they're gonna go after uh, go after anybody. So maybe can't guard Mike is headed for Arizona. Uh, Antonio Brown's nickname being uh, Mr. Crazy. I don't I don't I don't know. But uh, but Hopkins was suspended for six games. The rest of their draft filled their need, and it looks like that this draft was very much a win now draft. So this is this is kind of a tilting point of this Cardinals like era I think I gave it a C plus because of the Brown edition for it but otherwise it was a pretty ho-hum draft like for an example McBride though was seen as the consensus tight end number one so getting him at the end of the second round is is great value if he hits like that that's that's what this team uh, could definitely shore up. They try to make a bunch of trades. You know, for Ertz, you got your Zach Williams or uh, Max Williams. You got uh, Ricky Seals Jones. A couple like they've been trying. They've been they've been really really throwing darts at the board to try to get that position locked down. So they do that. Cameron Thomas and Sanders were taken at the end of the third round to replace Chandler Jones, which was to me another example of replacing replacing immediacy for the now because obviously being without Chandler Jones it's not not one player in the third round is going to do it so you get two and you just try to keep up so you can make the playoffs again kind of like a it, it almost felt like there was an edict by the by the upper management or or ownership to win now with the way that they did their picks uh, I, the thing that's cool about these two picks is that uh Thomas is is more solid. He's 6'4", 270, and he's a good athlete. Uh, Sanders is 6'5", 220. So I really like the difference in player. Like one is the long, linky, lanky, you know, uh, uh, bend the edge, and the other guy can more do power to speed and use that as their bread and butter. Uh, day three, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just lie to you I can't tell you much about day three other than uh, Marquise Hayes pick was interesting like he dropped a lot but he he was a guy I think before the season the college football season people had pretty high on their radar uh, so for him to drop that far was just uh, uh, kind of eye eye catching to me uh, but that was their draft I mean it's like I could see Brendan. Like I want, I want to know your opinion. I, 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 before I say anything, give me your opinion on the Cardinals draft. Honestly, I, I don't hate it. I, I like you know, if you're taking the Hollywood Brown trade into consideration, you get your you know compliment receiver to DeAndre Hopkins, a guy that Kyler Murray's played with in in college. But I, I agree, it was kind of a win now thing. Like I, I, I feel like defensively they are making sure that they can stop the run because all of these edges and linebackers like Jesse Lucchetta I I did not watch much of him but the one thing I do remember is he excelled in the run game uh Cameron Thomas and my just um yeah gonna broach his name too but those two are also people that have been proven solid in the run game so I definitely see that they they have a vision on the defensive side of the ball and then also you're trying to complete that offense. So, you know, Zach Ertz is is probably going to be gone in you know, a year or two. And go ahead and get your future Zach Ertz and Trey McBride and, you know, have an opportunity to learn from one of the smartest tight ends of the last 10 years. Honestly, for the picks they had, I think it was a solid draft in taking the Hollywood Brown trade into consideration. But I'm, I'm curious to see how 
these these edges and linebackers are going to pan out like you said like are you going to be able to replace Chandler Jones because that is an incredibly huge hole to fill and if the if these players aren't able to stop uh slow down the run game I mean in that conference you're going to have to face Seattle that's going to run the heck out of the ball um uh, you're going to have to pay the, play the 49ers who love to run the heck out of the ball it's if if these guys don't pan out I think it could be an issue but I I see the vision that they're going with yeah, I'm trying to. I was trying to find where they had traded the other draft picks. I guess I should have done that, so that's my fault. Um, it says they packaged their fifth round pick for Zach. Okay, here it is. In a couple of them, so they did not trade. So they got the extra third round pick from Baltimore as a part of the Hollywood Brown trade. Okay, so their edge rush picks were their two picks. They traded a fourth round pick. Last year in the draft, in a trade-up for Marco Wilson from Florida. So that's interesting. That's interesting. They also traded their fifth-round pick for Zach Ertz. Okay? So that's where those two picks were traded for. But where where would you, what kind of grade would you give them? Because I, I gave them – I thought this draft was very painfully average – and I'm not sure that they're going to get more than two or three players. Like, you really hope the top three mm-hmm. picks hit. But I'm not sure you're going to get more than two or three players from this draft, uh, from the draft picks themselves. I, I guess that getting that extra third and getting Brown, I'm, I'm not saying that Brown was a better option than, let's say, Christian Watson or mm-hmm. Alec Pierce or something like that necessarily. I guess it's more Brown is a – you know, he's a proven NFL wide receiver. They got that extra third round pick and then Hopkins got suspended. I just thought like, I thought it with their, the combination of what they did just pushed them barely over an average draft. I feel like you would have it a little lower. And the more I'm feeling the draft and thinking I I can get where you're coming from. What would you would have given this? I would, I would give it like the C range. I feel like like you said, like Trey, yeah, he's going to be an early starter, but at the same time, you still have a starting tight end on top of that. And I really feel like the the two other guys you're really banking on hitting on are Thomas and Sanders. And if one of those two don't hit, then it I would say it was probably a below average draft if you don't hit on those, like I would say at least two out of the first three guys. I agree with you. It was average to say the least, honestly. Like, you can't ever complain about getting a legitimate number two receiver in Hollywood Brown to pair with DeAndre Hopkins. So it's like, had they had not made that move, I would have honestly put them in like the C minus range. But since they did that, I'll, I, I, I view it in like the C. Just depending on who they would have taken at yeah, 23. Yeah. But then they wouldn't have had the extra third. So you always have to consider True, that. But aren't, yep. But McBride, it's just, it's just, I can't believe you turned your back on McBride. You already have a tight end. Well, you got the guy that defines the position now. So oh, no. Trey's, just... Trey's the future. But I'm just saying, you know, if it's like, I, I, I was surprised to see the Cardinals take Trey. Or Trey. Like as much as I love Trey, I was, I was surprised. But I think it's going to be a good spot for him to like. I don't think his rookie season is going to be a huge splash. I really don't. But I think it's going to be a good place for him to grow. Well, I think it's just that they have spent so much time trying to figure that position out. I mean, between Max Williams, then trading for Ertz, then giving him a little extension, even though he's not the player used. Like they've been trying to figure out this position for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It feels like I. I think they just really wanted to nip it in the bud. Like, <laughs> all right, let's not worry about this anymore. Let's move on. Like, right. So. We, we can. We can. You know, have him under. Ertz for a year or two, but then then we're ready to rock and roll. 
I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, okay, so next I had the Los Angeles Rams. They picked Logan Bruss in the third round at pick 104 because they did not have a first-round pick because of Matthew Stafford or a second or a third because of Vaughn Miller, who subsequently left, but they won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> you kind of just got to roll with the roll with the punches on, on that one. Dakobe uh, Durant, a defensive back from South Carolina State in the fourth round. Fifth round, Kyron Williams, running back out of Notre Dame. Round six, Quentin Lake, defensive back out of UCLA. And then right after that, Darion Kendrick, cornerback out of Georgia. We'll get to him more in a little bit. Daniel Hardy, linebacker out of Montana State in round seven. At pick 253, round seven, Russ Yeast, defensive back (laughs) from Kansas State. If you do not know about Russ Yeast, he is the son of former Kentucky wide receiver, great Craig Yeast, who was a pick of the Browns and played for the Jets, or he was a pick of the Jets and played for the Browns, one of the two. But but legend Russ Yeast on this. Uh, Brown, also in round seven, pick 261, A.J. Akuri, uh, offensive tag of Michigan State. It's really hard to grade a draft like this. I gave it a C. Because from the terms of draft hall, it's an F. In terms of the top picks landing you a Super Bowl, it's an A. So I just put it in the middle at C. Can we all can we all just nod and keep going as I do the explanation? <laughs> all right, thank you. The Los Angeles Rams' drafts are always one of finding the gems. And they really have. Uh, you see a lot of players that lead their franchise that were fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks. And they go on to sign contracts elsewhere or – Stay with the team. I mean, a lot of players have done that from the Rams. Uh, Considering their top three picks, the acquisitions of Matthew Stafford and Von Miller, I can't in good conscience knock their grade any lower than a C. Let's look at their draft. Logan Bruss makes sense for the Rams as they showed their hand with the comment that they were scouting Cole Strange, hoping he'd be there in late th- in the late third round. Remember after Belichick said that, McVeigh and Sneed said <laughs> that about Strange, and it was kind of a joke, but also that they really liked Strange. They were hoping he'd be there, uh, but they obviously were targeting a guard, and they were just trying to find the best one. So, so just shoring up that offensive line for for the future. Uh, for Matt Stafford, Cam Akers, the rest of the crew, uh, it just makes sense. Uh, they continue. They, they, I'll I'll kind of try to hit on a couple of these guys, but there's one player specifically that I am I am targeting in this that's interesting to me. They continue to throw darts at the dartboard of the secondary, spending four of their day three picks on the position, and they tend to like to do that. But out of those four, and out of all their picks. Darion Kendrick intrigues me the most. Let me list his accolades. He was the South Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year while he was in high school, led his team to four straight state championships while he was there, playing quarterback in the last two years. (laughs) He was one of the top wide receiver recruits in the entire country committing to Clemson. After his freshman year, he moved to corner He then went on to earn second-team All-ACC in his first year at the position in college. And then as a junior, his second season at the position in college, he was first-team All-ACC and won the Orange Bowl defensive MVP for Clemson. He was then dismissed from the team for repeated violations, where he ended up at, you guessed it, Georgia. 
who, you know, won the national title with a historically <laughs> great defense. He was second team all SEC last year. And Athlon Sports even had him rated as the fourth best corner in the entire draft class back in February. I remember when we did this a couple weeks ago, it brought me a flashback when I was like, guess where Kendrick was ranked? And you were like 17th, and I was like fourth, and you just started (laughs) laughing. (laughs) (laughs) It's outstanding what he is able to, like the the caliber of football player this kid is. It's just outstanding what he's able to do. So why did he last until the sixth round, and why did they take two defensive backs over him? And fortunately, it becomes very evident why. His off-field issues likely pushed him down the board. He showed up to his pro day 11 pounds heavier than he was at the combine. Wow. And he put out a 4.75 and 4.840s with that extra weight. And I think he verticaled like 30 inches, 27 inches, something like that. Like just something terrible. I think that it's not that he's not a great player. It's that he... Maybe, you know, some, some people, some people don't all grow up the same and it's possible that his focus isn't solely on football. It's just, he's so great at it that he can naturally get away with like the, the, with his skill Uh, combined. He's just able to get away with it. But if he truly commits to football and staying in shape, he's a steal and he's going to be a, a starting corner for a long time. But you know, if he's, if he's like that in the off season with the, with the, with the pro day stuff, but you know, maybe, you know, maybe he's just a young kid and he was just screwing around and then he's like, Oh, well that sucked. And now I'm going to take it seriously. So who knows? But Kendrick is, has the, has the resume of a first round pick. Like that's, I, there's no way around it. Uh, but obviously he's going to have to focus. And then lastly, uh, just an interesting note, Kyron Williams, the running back from Notre Dame, they picked, uh, they traded up for him. Now, it wasn't a ton. It was just they swapped fives and gave him a, a seventh-round pick in the trade. But still, interesting to monitor um, that uh, Kyron Williams was a player they traded up for. But that's it. That's all I have on the Rams. So I, I, I gave him a C. The Rams are always one of the more interesting teams to break down because, like you said, they're always just trying to find that gem. And uh, I'm not going to lie. This was a, a class that I was relatively unfamiliar with other than the two players that you've covered, Darion Kendrick and Kyron Williams. And honestly, I like I kind of see why they picked up Kyron Williams. Like, I I get it. I, like, I don't think he's going to be able to be like a, a downhill runner. I think he's going to be like that pass catching back. And I... Uh, people compare him to Dion Lewis, and which I think is a fantastic comparison. I think he's incredibly shifty out of the backfield and can catch the ball for you. And I think that was somewhat of an element that the Rams' incredible offense was missing last year. So I really like the pick. They they had uh, injury issues, you know, the last season with running back. So hopefully, being able to get a more a deeper backfield is going to help them if they want to make a deep playoff run and not have to wait until what week seventeen to get your starting running back back. So. For what they did, they traded for Matt Stafford, traded for Von Miller. You can't knock that. So I agree with the players they selected. You can't, you just got to meet in the middle and give them a C. Yep. I feel the same way. Sorry about that. I was checking my microphone. Oh, I, I, I have a mute button on it. Uh, it's one of these um, these uh, Yeti microphones, I believe is what it's called, the Yeti Blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I remember one time we did, we did this and I muted myself. <laughs> and then I tried to talk and you were just like, hello? 
hello you there and i was like what is going on and then i was like oh i muted myself so i've been i've been trying i've been trying to give brendan just a a little peel back the curtain on on podcasting i'm trying to uh, trying to keep him from doing as you know little work as possible in the edit so instead of just instead of just trying to make him edit stuff out I, i i try to mute myself and i'm trying to keep the wrist down for that so Without any further ado, that is not uh, that is not the uh, most important part of this podcast. It is ranking these teams, and uh, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, you might as well turn off the podcast now, unless you just like to be angry, because I did not like the 49ers draft. They picked Drake Jackson in the second round, which, you know, I thought was a fine pick. He, he I'll, I'll get to him later. I'll just go through. Pick 61, round two, Drake Jackson. Round three, pick 93, Tyrion Davis-Price. Running back from LSU, we'll get to him. <laughs> round three, pick 105, Danny Gray, wide receiver SMU. Pick four, or round four, pick 134. They wish they had pick four. Spencer Buford, offensive lineman from UTSA. Uh, that's Texas San Antonio, like Tariq Woolen. Round five, pick 172, Samuel Womack, cornerback of Toledo. Round six, pick 187, Nick Zackelge. Zackel? I do not know. <laughs> offensive lineman from Fordham. Round six, pick 220, uh, Kaliah Davis, defensive lineman, UCF, and then Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy, quarterback of Iowa State. I gave this grade, and you've you've seen my grades so far. It is the lowest grade I have handed out in our draft cycle, oh. and that is a D. Oh, okay, okay. The other the the second the the second lowest was the D plus I gave the Cowboys, but mm-hmm. I could not put this draft over. The Cowboys won, so it settled as a D. So obviously, I didn't just think it was a dumpster fire, but I thought it was pretty bad. So here's my little analysis of this. The San Francisco 49ers are in a good position as a team and as a roster, but this draft is certainly underwhelming. They were without their first-round pick because of the Trey Lance trade, and he is what their future ultimately depends on. So uh, this draft, it's in essence, it doesn't matter. In the it, Just like the song from, from back in my youth. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Uh, <laughs> Drake Jackson was a decent pick at the end of the second round. Uh, Jackson was once thought to be a future top 10 pick. Like After his freshman year at USC, I remember hearing a lot about Drake Jackson. But his high level of play petered out in his college career. He His sack totals just kind of became consistent. I think there was a... Seven and a half, and there was like four and a half, five and a half, and he just he wasn't a big time edge rusher, and I think that that's really what pushed him out of the board down the board. As I looked through the rest of their picks, because I wasn't entirely familiar with a lot of these guys, they seemed to draft players. You know how like the Colts drafted on res score, like they got elite athletes, right? I think the Niners are like 20 years, 30 years in the past because they just based solely on 40 times. <laughs> like they got a lot of guys that ran the 40 fast, but you looked at their other athletic numbers and it's like, huh? They looked at their size grade. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't much. It was just on the 40s. For an example, and this pick blew my mind. Tyrion Davis-Price. Mm. Yo, I, I like, live in SEC country. Well, not, I, I wouldn't say I live in SEC country. Lexington, Kentucky, is uh, in the University of Kentucky, is an SEC school. I would say SEC country would be in the deep south. But, you know, I watch enough SEC games. You know, Kentucky played LSU this year. I, I, I know 
the players in the conference pretty well. And he wasn't even a household name for me. Like I don't, I do not, I don't have one memory of this player in three years in the SEC. That's alarming to me. And for him to go ahead of guys like Zamir White and Damian Pierce, who you know actually have like legit stake, I was like, why? I looked it up. The only thing outstanding about him is he did run a four four eight, but they just picked Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell last year. Like, even if you're out on Trey Sermon, which I find a little ridiculous, but he was in the doghouse all year. You're like, well, we want to get that Trey Sermon guy, and we missed last year, so we'll just take it. That's a, that's the third running back you've taken in day two, in two or, or second running back in two years, and I feel like it, there's been another. But then finding Mitchell at the end of the draft last year and still going back to this running back well left me and many others puzzled. Uh, Danny Gray, the wide receiver from SMU, he ran a good 40 at 4.33. It's a fantastic 40, but the rest of his athletic and production portfolio leaves a lot to be desired. Like he he was third in the AAC in touchdowns last year at eight, but the rest of his career it wasn't it was pretty listless. And by the 4.33, I don't I don't mind taking deep threat guys. I actually think they're really important for offenses. The cornerback from Toledo, Samuel Womack, he ran a four three nine, but again, he's only he's only five nine, so he's a slot corner four three nine speed. Seems like it's just it was really weird. They were just like, "What's the hand stop?" All right, you're on our board. And everything <laughs> else, who cares? The 49ers did scoop up Spencer Buford in the fourth round, where I read that he started left tackle at the Senior Bowl for one of the teams, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's." pretty impressive and helped lead uh, UTSA to unprecedented heights for their program offensively. So I just kind of was like, ah, that seemed like possibly a good pick, you know, like maybe get a offensive starter on the interior of your line for a decade or possibly a tackle. Who knows? (laughs) But just looking at this draft, I'm like, guys, what are you, what is going, what is going on? Like, do you want to, do you need to talk like Kyle, John, sit down. What, what, is there something going on at home? Like, they, do we need to call someone? Like, tell us what's going on. Like, it, it, I was very, very underwhelmed. No, I, I couldn't agree more. When I, I have a really close family friend that's a huge 49ers fan, and after the end of the draft, speechless. Dude was absolutely livid, and I, I can't blame him. I mean, the the Danny Gray pick, I actually I like a little bit because he, he balled out at the Senior Bowl, and like you said, he I think he could be that deep threat guy that can stretch the field. He is seriously one of the most fluid and smooth runners, I think, out of any receiver in this entire class. But to, to further your point on the Terion Davis Price pick, Angel, I could name four running backs on the 49ers roster not named Terion Davis Price already. Four. That's Ugh. like in the third round. In the th- like, unbelievable. And like you said, when we had our number one underrated running back, uh, still on the board in white. Like it just, I I couldn't make that pick make sense to me. I try to think about it more. And like you said, are you already out on Trey Sermon? If you are, that's that's ridiculous to me. I it's even even if even to put him over Jamichael Hasty, who hasn't really gotten any playing time, is still crazy to me. I think there's four running backs who I legitimately think. I better. forgot about Hasty. I like him. Yeah, there's four running backs who I truly think are better than this guy on this on this football team already. And and I'm know, telling you, I'm not proud to say I haven't heard of like for being an SEC guy. Like I, there's plenty of SEC players I know. Right, plenty. I, 
I think that but, says but, more about the player than anything. Yeah, I hope so because right. I don't want to say you know I don't want to seem like a buffoon, but come on, like I'm not I'm not dead over here. Like I knew the South Carolina running back that got taken, Kevin <laughs> Harris, by like you know New England. I know some of the not so heralded guys, but come on. No, absolutely, and you know I just the the draft overall was just kind of a blunder. And Angelo, I I I think I could agree with you. I think I wouldn't I wouldn't mind giving this draft a D and putting it under the Cowboys. I mean, because even even some of the Cowboys picks, we can we could be like, oh, it's it's a local scout, you know. We can see the vision with that. Like some of these picks, I can't convince myself why it happened. You know, the Cowboys. There was a few of them where I really could, even if I didn't agree with them. But I, I Angelo, I agree with you that this there's an argument that this is the worst draft in the NFL this season. Yep, I, I we'll, we'll see the other ones. Uh, like I, I, I unfortunately couldn't make the NFC AFC North show, so maybe we do some type of retrospect where we can do kind of like uh, that. That's maybe something we'll do because we didn't get to do the East or the or not. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's right. We didn't, we didn't do, do the, the East North or together. the North where we ranked each oh, of the yeah. drafts. So maybe next week, and this is just all the scheduling on the fly. Maybe next week we could do that, and then do almost like an ultimate ranker show. That mm. would be that would be kind of fun to rank it one through. Two. But we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> all right, but, all yeah. right, all right. But well. yes, I I was very 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 underwhelmed with that. So I give them I give them a D, and I think that what saved it was you know Gray's a burner, which I'm fine with Buford. Uh, is a is a pick and then even like Jackson I think was like a fine like pick to to make at the end of round two it's a uh, in it, but the Lance giving up a first for Lance I completely disagreed with I, I was not very mm-hmm. big on Trey Lance last year especially to give up that amount of capital so I I guess that they could have arguably had a worse grade their draft was very similar to the Cowboys where they both took an edge rusher in round three and both took a wide receiver with speed or I'm sorry they both took an edge rusher in round two and both picked their wide receiver with speed in round three and Tolbert Sam Williams Drake Jackson you know Danny Gray Mm -hmm. so that was interesting how similar the profile was and how we both did not like their draft Well, they need to tune in to, to the show and learn what they can do differently. But no. That's right. Hire, hire Angelo Carriero <laughs> and Brendan Bolin as your GMs. Let's get Brendan a new laptop. We need some of that GM money. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, already, my friend, I, I don't think my AFC – I think my AFC West drafts have a much, much, much higher ceiling – or a much higher floor than than your NFC West did. No, uh, I think that uh, – yeah, I, th- I think everything <laughs> outside of Seattle, it's going to lap them. So let's just go ahead and get to it. All right. With one of my favorite drafts in the for any NFL team is the Kansas City Chiefs, and it really bothers me to say this because it's a team that's already so dominant. Yes, they have a few holes to fill, but you know, any any time Patrick Mahomes is under center, I can you have a pretty sh- good shot at making a at least a little bit of a run to a Super Bowl. So. Uh, the, the, the Chiefs had a fantastic draft. So uh, round one, pick 21, they took Trent McDuffie, cornerback from Washington. Uh, round one, pick 30, George Karloftis, edge from Purdue. Round two, pick 45, or 54, excuse me. They got Sky Moore, wide receiver from Western Michigan. Round two, pick 62, Brian Cook, safety from Cincinnati. And round three, pick 103, they got Leo Chanel, a linebacker from Wisconsin. Round four, pick 135, they got Joshua Williams, a cornerback from Fayetteville State. Hope I hope I didn't butcher that. Fayetteville? Fayetteville, yes, yes. And then round five, pick one forty five is your boy Darian Kennard 
from Kentucky. That's right, baby. <laughs> and then round seven, pick 243, Jalen Watson, cornerback from Washington State. Round seven, pick 251, Isaiah Pacheco, running back from Rutgers University. And then round seven, pick 259, Nazi Johnson, a safety from Marshall. Oh my gosh, the Chiefs killed it. I mean, they, they were searching for starting corners after losing theirs to free agency, and I think McDuffie uh, was one of the best cornerbacks in this draft. I think after the, you know, I, there was a big gap between like guys like Stingley and Sauce, but I, I really do think McDuffie was that second tier. So the, And the Chiefs agreed with me, trading up from pick 29 to 21 to get him. And McDuffie was somebody that didn't allow more than 40 yards in coverage during all of 2021 and gave up only two deep receptions in his entire college career. So this is a guy that you can rely to take guys downfield and not give up a deep ball. And I think finding a, a, a new starting corner is going to be huge. And then a guy, Angelo, you know who I was in love with, George Karloftis, uh, somehow still was one of the most underrated players taken in the first round. And I was surprised to see him fall, fall to pick 30. I know a lot of people were saying that they were expecting him to go like, really late in the first round, but me personally, I just couldn't see it. I thought the dude had, I, th- I thought he had it all except for the rangy arms, but his sheer dominance is out of this world, and I think he's like the textbook definition of speed to power rush, and I think his impact's going to be noticed immediately. Uh, I, I really could make an argument that Karloftis may be the quote-unquote steal of the first round. You can't really get a steal in the first round, but a guy of Karloftis' level going at pick 30 was just a fantastic pickup. And then, obviously, after losing a guy like Tyreek Hill, the Chief, you're, you're going to need to find a new shifty, speedy receiver that can uh, you know, separate downfield. I know you picked up Marquez Valdez-Scantling to kind of be that field stretcher, but he's kind of just a longer, rangier speed guy. He's not that super shifty guy that can work all levels of the field. Now you got Sky Moore, who is no Tyreek Hill, but he's going to provide the type of receiver that, can, that the Chiefs don't really have on their depth chart, a guy that can work all levels. So he may not be the same deep threat that Hill was just to have that sheer speed and just cook guys, but he, he led all FBS schools in broken tackles in 2021. So he's a shifty son of a gun, and I think he's going to be a really fun gadget, like a gadget offensive player for the Chiefs. They're going to find a lot of fun ways to use him. And then just continuing with phenomenal picks, Brian Cook was somebody that I was... When we were doing our breakdown, I had to give my overrated safety, and I hated, I, after, after we did that show, I listened back, and I hated myself for putting Brian Cook there, because I went back, I watched more Brian Cook, and I honestly really like what Brian Cook brings to the table. I think that, mm. you know, they have their starters with Justin Reed and Juwan Thornhill in place, but I think adding another guy of Brian Cook's versatility is huge. I think the Chiefs are going to find him a way to get on the field his rookie season, despite having those two starters already. Uh, it's somebody that's been able to lay the boom and set the tempo of that Cincinnati defense that was really strong last year. He's come down to cover tight ends, and he's a super disciplined tackler. Out of 100 attempts last year, he had seven whiffs. So this is a guy that I think that they're going to be really excited for his versatility. And, I, and it, with an offensive powerhouse of every team in the AFC West, you're going to need legitimate star power on that defensive side of the ball. And they got another one of those players with the next pick in Leo Chanel. Angelo, Leo Chanel was my fourth-ranked linebacker. I had him a lot higher than a lot of other people, but I think he's going to be a fantastic addition with their other young uh, pickup they had uh, two years ago in Nick Bolton. Yeah, that was the draft with uh, Jeremiah Usu-Koromo and all that. But I think, yes. No, yeah. I, but, uh, was that not last year? Yeah, that was that was last year. That was yeah. Yes. And so I think he's a, 
Leo Chanel is one of the strongest linebackers, if not the strongest off-ball linebacker in this class. He has a relentless effort to fight through a pass rush, and is you know he's not the fastest guy in the world, but his reaction time is incredible. Uh, he like. He's not going to be able to make the jump super fast, but he reads and reacts with great speed. Uh, he struggles in pass coverage due to that lack of speed, but everywhere else, you're happy to have this guy on the football field. And, you know, I think that drafting a guy like Brian Cook is going to be so beneficial because you now have that safety that can come down and cover tight ends when your linebackers struggle in that area between him and Nick Bolton. So I, the more I think about it, I love the pickup of Brian Cook, man on a secondary that just needs depth, much like the rest of the league. I think they got more of that in Joshua Williams. He's a super long and rangy guy, and his ball skills are enticing to NFL any NFL team, but um, I, he's, he's a guy that's going to have to prove himself for playing time. They, he was taken due to his, you know, just physical attributes, and Angelo, your boy. I think the Chiefs seriously might have found themselves a starting offensive lineman in the fifth round. Uh, Kennard is an absolute anchor and a unit of a man that's, you know, one of those people you just really don't want to be in a dark alley with unless he's on your side. <laughs> uh, there, You know, some people say there's questions about consistency with his technique, but I think he's one of the best run blockers in college football. Uh, he moves grown men like they're toddlers, and this is an absolute steal in the fifth round. And Angelo, I... I, I really do think this guy could be a starter on the Chiefs roster year one. Mm-hmm. So I overall, the Chiefs absolutely destroyed the draft. Uh, and then the rest of their picks were kind of just like depth pits, like Jalen Watson to just get that corner room deeper. Isaiah Pacheco, I think, can win that third string back roll. Um, if he can, you know, he was a cowbell runner in college. So if he can prove to be that guy, I think he might take over Gore as that third string running back. So, and then they picked up, three new safeties this offseason. So I think that um, that last pick guy they got from Marshall, Nazi Johnson, he has experience mm-hmm. at cornerback as well. So they like that versatility. I think that's a guy that's going to fight for a roster spot and make it. Once again, overall, the Chiefs killed it. This is a team that's always ready to compete for a Super Bowl, and they were still able to land a few new defensive starters. They managed to acquire some of the best players at their respective positions, like Karloftis, McDuffie, Chanel. And, you know, to credit the offensive side of the ball, too, they have a guy that has serious bully potential at, at in Darius Kennard, and then a new shiny toy in Sky Moore. So I'm giving them an A-. minus. A-? minus. Okay, A-. why the minus? Uh, because it, it's just always going to hurt when you lose a guy like Tyreek Hill. Okay. Well, and I mean, the same, I guess, with Seattle picks, trading yeah. Russell Wilson. But I think, but I think the one thing that I would say you could take it off of was just that he was hurt. Or, right. or not, I'm sorry, sorry, not that he was hurt. They, he forced a trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect Where that. it's like it was kind of against the – well, they could have paid him, though. It's not like Adams where right. he was like, I don't care if you give me all the money. I don't want to be here. Like it, he, he – Tyreek would have stayed in Kansas City. He just wanted more money than Adams. They wouldn't give it to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I can respect that. I – after you went over it, we went over it a couple of times – I do think that their draft was – I mean, I, I liked their draft, but where you had it so high in our rankings, you drafted it third in our, our draft uh, of, of the, all the teams and who we thought were the biggest winners. I, li- I like their draft a lot. McDuffie at 21, he's a very technically sound corner. I like him a lot. Uh, wish, wish he was a slightly – either slightly bigger or slightly more athletic, but he's going to – go up against small receivers and be a – I think he's a star. Like, I, I think Trent McDuffie, that's one thing about him is that he is a star, and you can really appreciate that about him. Uh, Karloftis I had in my top ten, so 
getting him at 30 was just an absolute bona fide steal. Sky Moore, you said he was kind of gadgety, I think. Is that a word that you used with him? Yeah, I think he can be gadgety just due to his shiftiness. I don't think he was utilized that much that way, but knowing how fun the Chiefs offense is, that's just that's too good no, of a but skill. The- but Yo, that's ahead. what I like about Sky Moore. He's a lot like Wandale Robinson in that mm-hmm. I think they're small receivers that are they're, they're receivers that are small, not small receivers. Watching Sky Moore, because I actually was scouting their quarterback who did not end up getting drafted. But uh, I, I was watching Moore, and he really, really has some nice, fluid. He, he just screamed, like, oh, this guy isn't, you know, like Calvin Austin might be a gadget receiver. Like, Sky Moore's not that. He's a wide receiver. And I really liked him. I, I, I thought that he was – I think getting him at 54 was a very, very – once he slipped out of the top 50, I think he became a steal at that point. So I really liked their first three picks. I love hearing you come back around on Brian Cook and kind of giving him his flowers. That's very cool of you. I know you love Leo Chanel. You said Leo Chanel was like a great blitzer, didn't you? Yes, fantastic. Yeah, and then with Bolton, Bolton had a really good year last year. They really do have been trying to stack up on these linebackers and keep them cheap. And then Kennard, like, look, Kennard didn't test athletically great. He his ta- his tape at tackle, uh, even not me watching it, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not in on it. He has been the best lineman at Kentucky, at least in terms of accolade, in terms of all this. When you watch it, 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 it it's. It doesn't seem that way. I think it's just the pure size and some of the things he's he's able to do. I think it just makes him a perfect guard. I don't think he needs to be out on an island in the NFL, but I think at guard he is going to make himself a have a great career. And for them to go like Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Darian Kennard in that in that row and then be athletic out on the tackles, I, I think that this was a very, very heads-up pick by the Chiefs. And it's kind of like they're the Warriors, where they're like we're light years away as they're in the NBA Finals tonight. Kennard, I think that this pick at guard is a light years away type pick. So I I would not have given them a lower grade than an A minus as well. I think that that's I probably and and I feel bad retrospectively about the Giants grade. I think I was too tough on them for the later rounds because I love the top of their draft so much. Uh, I would probably bump them up back into the A category of some sort. But this this I feel like is comfortably comfortably an a at worst b plus but i really i really really like their draft awesome awesome well i'm glad we're on the same page brother and these next three teams i'm not gonna lie i had a really difficult time ranking them and i i i will not disagree had you had had different rankings than these next three but for if like like we've been doing with all the other teams, if we're taking the picks that they traded into consideration for players, I have to put the Denver Broncos second. And you know, obviously they acquired Russell Wilson, but then if you look at their roster and see how they attacked the draft, I think they had a fantastic vision and they executed it perfectly. So I'll go through their picks real quick. Round two, pick sixty-four, Nick Benito, edge from Oklahoma. Round three, pick eighty, Greg Dulich, tight end from UCLA. Round four, pick 115, Damari Mathis, cornerback from Pitt. Uh, round four, pick 116, I am so sorry if I butcher his name, uh, Iwama Awuza, Awuza Right. It's Awuza Rike, <laughs> like Awuza the Rike. defensive lineman yep, picked by Iowa the Lions State. last year. I think they're related. Oh, sweet. Okay, good to know. And then uh, round five, pick 152, Delarian Turner-Yell, safety from Oklahoma. 
Round 5, pick 162, Montrell Washington from Samford. Round 5, pick 171, Luke Wattenberg, offensive line from Washington. And round 6, pick 206, Matt Henningsen, D-line, Wisconsin. Round 7, pick 232, Fayon Hicks, cornerback, Wisconsin. So, first of all, the Denver Broncos defense last year was immaculate, but they're still missing a dominant pass rush. It's it. Once they get that put together, I truly think the Broncos have a like they they could be set up to have the best defense in the National Football League next year. I don't think that's a stretch. Nick Benito is in the right place to succeed. This was also another person I had on my overrated list. I don't hate the player at all. The only reason I had my overrated list is because I said he needs to go to the right place if he wants to succeed in the NFL, and I truly think Denver is the right place. You know, there's questions about him being consistent enough in the run game, but Denver cares so much about bolstering that pass rush that I, they got the right player. And to, to be able to land him uh, at pick 64, I think, was a fantastic uh, fantastic value pick. And I, he's going to be a great compliment to Bradley Chubb. He, he was actually the most productive pass rusher the last two seasons and did not have a single game without multiple pressures in that span. So that just, like... That those two stats alone tell you how dominant of a pass rusher he is. And a lot of it's due to just his like insane hand quickness and stuff like that. There's a little bit of technicality still in his game to be found. But Nick Benito to Denver, absolutely one of my favorite landing spots for him. And then going into the next pick, you know, after trading Noah Fant to Seattle, the Broncos have like no depth in the tight end room. Uh, I, I do like uh, Albert Okoebanon, but... I think Dulich could actually turn into that number one pass-catching tight end for the team by the end of the season. Albert O has always just been used on these, you know, play actions, roll it back, and hit him on a drag. I mean, I have never seen Albert O run anything else. He's a great blocker, but I think that there's room for another pass-catching tight end. And a guy like Dulich, who has that athletic upside that's great down the seam, I think is going to be an awesome complement to this already incredibly talented offense. Another another team that has a talented secondary just doesn't have any depth. Uh, I, I think they were really happy to get Damari Mathis from Pitt. Uh, he's a fast, long outside corner. Like I just said, they are severely lacking depth at position. And uh, Ronald Darby, a guy that has kind of been injury-riddled throughout his career, had an injury last season that kept him out for the majority of the season. So if, if, if this secondary falls apart like it did last year, there's a legitimate chance that Mathis could see the field early. Unless he cannot fix the handsiness. Angelo, in two seasons, he was able to acquire 17 penalties. That's that's impressive. So you, you got to slow down on that Ooh. a little bit. You got you to gotta slow down. I like the physicality, but it was like, you know how we were talking about how Sauce likes to get real handsy? It's, 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 it's worse than that. It's significantly worse. And wow. Then, yeah. Um, but with and then with Mike Purcell getting up there in age, you know, I, I think he's 31, 32 years old. I think it's important to find a young gun that can plug the middle of the field. So uh, Awuzari, gonna gonna butcher his name again, but huge six six, three hundred and fifteen pound defensive. Awuzarike. Awuzarike, a, a huge six six, three hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle that can also create a pass rush, and that's something that you don't really get from Mike Purcell. So I think on a team trying to bolster that defense in that area. You should expect to see him on the field early. So, and then one thing, you know, two two things that I really noticed about Denver the last few seasons is they want to get better on the pass rush and they want to get better 
all across the board on special teams. They were awful in kick coverage, and they have not been very... I mean, um, Spencer has had flashes of, as a returner, but he's not solidified himself as that guy of the future. And since, since I mean, Trendon Holiday, they haven't had a legitimate return threat. And In the way back machine, yeah. Trendon <laughs> Holiday, bro. It has been some time. And so Montreal- Dude, Trendon Holiday was such a, like, like when he was in college at LSU, there was like a couple months in, in his in his prime where he was like the talk, like everybody wanted to like be Trendon Holiday. Oh, dude, I, I, I always say I love the little dudes. I'm always rooting for the little dudes. Trendon Holiday was so unbelievably fun to watch. I remember a Texans game. He took like a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown. I'm like, wow, this guy's legit. But poor little dude just couldn't hold on to the football. And then uh, poor Pat, little dude. Pat McAfee decided Jeez. to end his life that one that one Colts game. So, but no, Trendon Holiday. God, I'm, I'm, I love when we take a little stroll down memory lane. But I, lo- I love memory lane. <laughs> but, yeah, Montreal Washington is a guy that had two punt returns for a touchdown last season. So hopefully he could be that guy. And then they close out the draft with the guys that have, like, legitimate chances to make the teams as special teamers on the kick coverage or rotational players just due to the athletic upside. But they were able to get the positions of need, and that was, a, that was important for them in this draft where they didn't have a ton of picks due to trading for Russell Wilson. So... Now with Russell Wilson under center, they hope to be contenders. Like, I think every team in the AFC West, Angelo, is attacking in win-now mode. You can't wait because every team in this in this division is going to be good for years on end. So I think the Broncos have, primed themselves, have prided themselves through their defense for so many years, and they want to continue to do that. Picking up Russell Wilson shows that, you know, we're, we're dead serious about trying to win this, uh, trying to win this division and make a Super Bowl run. So... This is a team that was not successful the last few years, but despite that, they didn't have too many holes. So I can't complain about the lack of potential starters that they picked up, but the depth that they got, the special team help that they got, and the pass rushers they got is why I'm going to give Denver a B plus. Interesting. Okay, because I knew you weren't big on Nick Benito, and everything I heard from him I was into. Like I was like, oh, like I kind of I kind of like this guy Like from everything. And the rest of their picks, it just seemed like that – it, it it looks like a lot of depth and hope more than we know what we're getting. So mm-hmm. is it just that the players – they so it's just the high end. Like Benito can be a pass rusher on third downs right away. Dol, Dol, Dolcich? Mm, Dolcich, yeah. Dolcich, he can be a guy that can come in and catch passes right away. And then Mathis, Uzurike, they can be rotational, like Turner Yell, like rotational and then possibly become starters down the line. I, I I was not I would not have probably put him at a B plus though the Russell Wilson trade is huge like getting getting him and and sacrificing that first round pick for a, a guy like that I definitely um, definitely agreed with that aspect of it and then of course getting the Benito pick because they were not originally at sixty four so. Uh, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have been as high, but I respect your outlook on it. Well, alrighty, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I can agree where you're coming from. Like, had you had told me, oh, I think that this next team that I'm going to say, which is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers, had you tell me, you know, I actually think they had a better draft, I would say, I can see where you're coming from. I really can, because that was a team that didn't make any, like, big-time trades to go land a guy like Russell Wilson, you know? But Well, you know, no, except they did for Khalil Mack. Oh, yeah. Well, they, well, they give up a, a like, third, second. Oh, a second rounder for him? Okay, yeah. Yeah. You said, I, 
I'm shocked. I'm shocked right now. You said they didn't go out and make any big time trades. Yeah. Does Khalil Mack just chop liver to everybody yeah, these days? I was what tra- happened? What happened to the Khalil Mack love? The Khalil Mack respect? He doesn't get any anymore, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I know it's it's actually like it is is pretty insane to see like the the how the media attention has kind of diverted away from Khalil Mack the last few years, and I think it's kind of just because he's not getting nearly as many sacks. But the dude is still top five run defender in football, like phenomenally good at setting the edge, phenomenally good in run defense. Um, I I am absolutely terrified of this Chargers defensive front, absolutely terrified. So let's, without any further ado, let's get into this Chargers draft because it really was one that I could, I could see, you know, being put above Denver. But round one, pick 17, Zion Johnson, offensive guard from Boston. Round three, pick 79, JT Woods, safety from Baylor. Round four, pick 123, Isaiah Spiller, running back from Texas A&M. Round five, pick 160, uh, Atito Agabania, D-line UCLA. Round six, pick 195, Jamari Saylor, offensive tackle from Georgia. Round six, pick 214, Jasir Taylor, cornerback Wake Forest. Round seven, pick 236, Deanne Lennard, cornerback Ole Miss. Round seven, pick 260, Xander Holfath. Fullback from Purdue. So fullback. the ch- fullback, baby. We love to see the fullback love. Fullback. <laughs> but the, the Chargers needed to make sure to keep that offensive line young and talented to pair that with Justin Herbert down the road. And after hitting a home, I mean, out of the park home run at, at the tackle position in Rashawn Slater last year, they hope to recreate, the, recreate that same success on the interior. And Johnson was arguably the best guard in the draft. I, I think a lot of people had him as number one, and I would I, I fully expect to see him on the field week one. I don't think that they took him without uh, without that intention. So he has a huge lower body and actually has tactical experience in his back pocket. A great leverage blocker and a great pick. He only allowed six pressures in all of 2021. And then not to jump ahead a little bit, but and then they also added a guy, Jamari, Jamari Saylor, to provide some depth for that land, line. And Jamari Saylor is somebody that people say could also be a steal. Um, has kind of been up and down, but when he's when he's up, he is truly dominant. So there's people even saying Jamari Saylor could potentially find his way onto this offensive line his rookie season. So the Chargers have collected themselves a powerful group of men for this offensive line and a young group of men. So it's going to be really nice to try to keep them cheap, keep them young while you, you know, because you're going to have to pay Justin Herbert a lot of money here eventually. So going on about how the AFC West has just been so phenomenal in a team with the best quarterbacks in in, in a a division with the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you have to have a fantastic secondary. And the Chargers have gone all out in that direction this season. You know, they went out and they picked up J.C. Jackson. And then they just picked up J.T. Woods, who is a super versatile safety, who's lined up at literally every position you can in the secondary. He's been at a single high. He's been in cover two. He's been, you know, dropped down in the box to come play uh, like a linebacker hybrid. He's been asked to play cornerback. Does that remind you of somebody else on the, uh, hmm. not not saying hmm. that he's of that level, but does that not remind you of the other Chargers safety in Derwin James? That so sounds pretty familiar, <laughs> actually. That is a sick amount of versatility in that secondary. So if JT Woods can turn into the player that they're expecting him to be, turn into the player that he was in college, JC Jackson, Derwin James, 
JT, I mean, that's it's absolutely, and not to forget to mention Asante Samuel Jr. from their draft last year. That is my for, second rated corner last year. Mm, I, I love it. I had Asante Samuel really high as well. And I just, I absolutely love the direction that the Chargers are going in. You know, we say it every year, this could be the year, but they are truly the most cursed team in the National Football League. I don't care what you say about it. They are the most cursed team, so hopefully it pan. I want it to pan out for Denver, but man, I feel bad for Chargers fans because they are looking so damn good right now, Angelo. And then on top of the the defensive additions, you go to the offensive side of the ball and get yourself Isaiah Spiller. And I think Isaiah Spiller to the Chargers was was a match made in heaven. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Austin Eckler. I think he's a great pass catcher, and he really complements what the Chargers do with their offense. A solid runner as well, but I think that. The Chargers need a guy that can truly just be a rock runner, a guy that can just run it between the tackles consistently. And Spiller is fully capable of doing so. He's one of the best pure rushers in this class. He had nearly 3,000, he was like under 10 yards away from 3,000 yards on the ground in his college career. So I, I just, I love the addition of having, you know, a pure runner in Isaiah Spiller and then having a guy that's fantastic at catching it out of the backfield and can run when, when need be. And then, once again, a, a team that's just stacked up on the defense, a guy that I completely forgot they had got because they made so many additions, and they picked up Khalil, uh, Khalil Mack. And then another guy that nobody really mentions in Sebastian Joseph Day. That's one of the best interior run defenders in football. So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that, you know, and those two, Mack and Sebastian Joseph Day, are maybe a little bit older in, in, in that category. And you want to be able to provide some some strong rotational players. And I think Ogabanaya uh, is a great addition for the interior defensive line. Uh, he's going to pair great with Sebastian Joseph Day. And it kind of br- brings a similar skill set. I don't think he's nearly as good of a plugger as Sebastian Joseph Day is, as he's one of the best in the league. But I think he's going to be a really good uh, relief for Joseph Day. And I think he's still going to make an impact his rookie season. So... And then they close out their draft by drafting three players that can really all make an impact on special teams because they're just freak athletes but didn't quite have like the accolades and the tape to back it up. But overall, Chargers draft, nothing short of a success. I think they came in here with a plan to help and protect their young star quarterback, Justin Herbert, and they wanted to bolster that secondary as well. And I think they did both of those. So uh, the addition of Zion Johnson was phenomenal. The addition of Jamari Saylor was also a really underrated pick that I don't see too many people highlighting. JT Woods is one that I'm really excited about. I I just, I don't think there's a good, like if JT Woods can be what they want him to be, I don't think there's a more versatile safety group in the NFL. I mean, JT Woods has literally been asked to do everything. I really want to see that pan out with a healthy Derwin James. So I'm going to give them a B. I think on the face of this, I would put the Chargers above the Broncos. And I, I respect that, Angelo. I do. I I, I really – but the, it's like I totally, totally get the Russell Wilson aspect. Those picks are kind of slid out through two drafts more than just mm-hmm. – because you know, it's the first next year as well. And this is just kind of one draft. It's like Zion Johnson, Khalil Mack, JT Woods, Isaiah Spiller, down to, you know, a Tito and and Sailor and all that. I'm, I'm I I like their draft. Now it doesn't blow me away because some of it was meat and potatoes, but mm-hmm. overall, I'm I really do like it. I'm they they did everything to shore up their front seven defensively. They get another defensive back in Woods to go along with Samuel and uh, don't they have a guy like Michael Davis or somebody they really like? And maybe I'm wrong. They've got 
they signed to think Chris Harris last year. Anyways, mm-hmm. they've got, they've I've really liked everything they they've done. Zion Johnson uh, at offensive guard, he has the athleticism to kick out to tackle where he played in college, but he'll he'll fit right in at guard, protect Justin Herbert. I'm I'm pretty. I'm pretty impressed with what the Chargers did. Not that the Broncos did, because you get Benito and, and and Wilson and all that. I just, I really like it. I think it was really a coin flip, and I, I'm I'm impressed by what the Chargers did. I like it. No, absolutely. And I just, I think it's a similar mindset for all four of these AFC West teams coming in. Like I said, they're all in win now mode, Angelo. You can't wait to to find your success when you're in a conference with or a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. I mean, you could even say Derek Carr's the oddball out, but Derek Carr, you could make an argument, is a top 10 quarterback in the in the National Football League. Whether like I truly think Derek Carr is so underrated and underappreciated. And it's it's crazy to say that the Raiders, in in my opinion, are the worst team in the AFC West, yet they're still one heck of a football team. And uh, I'll, I'll get into their picks here. So the, the Raiders attacked the draft. It was it was a needs-based draft, I think. And uh, they round three, picked 90. They took Dylan Farham, guard from Memphis. Round four, uh, pick 122. They took Zamir White, a running back from Georgia. Round four, pick 126. Neil Farrell, defensive tackle, LSU. Round five, pick 175. Matthew Butler, another defensive tackle from Tennessee. Round seven, pick 238. Thayer Funmore, uh, junior, offensive tackle. Ohio State, and then round seven, pick 250, Britton Brown, a running back from UCLA. So, you know, obviously they traded for Devontae Adams, so I had to take that into consideration, right? Like this was, Mm -hmm. they had very, very few picks this draft, but taking Dylan Farham with the first pick, I don't think that they should have gone any different direction. I think this was the right pick to make. Uh, This is an offensive line that can use an upgrade, you know, honestly, just about anywhere, Angelo. Uh, I think Farham is an athletic player that, you know, he actually, uh, he played tight end in high school and had uh, his senior season, had a a great season playing tight end. So there's that athleticism already built into, into him. So he has a chance to win a starting role at I've seen them say that he could play guard or even kick it out to right tackle and compete for that starting role. So um, he was successful at tackle in college, uh, a little more successful than he was at guard, but he was still incredibly dominant. And I, I've been seeing a lot where he is likely uh, he is likely to play on the interior, uh, just due to that massive lower lower frame and stuff. But I, I don't think that they should have made any other selection other than Dylan Farm here. So I love that pick. And then after declining Josh Jacobs' fifth year option, which to me was a little bit of a surprise. I don't know about you know the rest of you guys, but. Uh, they, they actually didn't pick up any fifth-year options from that draft class or any of the big-name players. So uh, all the surprising to see, you know, if, if that's the case, you got, you got to get a new backfield for the future. Uh, I love the addition of Zamir White. He's a strong runner with great contact balance, almost like the guy that's currently on their football team in Josh Jacobs. <laughs> but, um, you know, he averaged 3.6 yards after contact throughout college. And uh, all those games incomplete, He's one heck of a ball carrier. He's not going to be a great pass blocker. He's not going to be great catching out of the backfield. But, I mean, in essence, he really does have a similar skill set to Josh Jacobs. I know Josh Jacobs has a pretty weak yards per carry, um, and I, I think that maybe that's why they're potentially going into a different direction. And I, um, Zamir White's somebody that can help bring that up because he is so good at fighting through contact and has great balance. I actually really like this pick. I, I think that maybe there was better running backs available still, but... You have to get your running back of the future if Josh Jacobs is going to be gone after this season. 
Uh, Neil Farrell, another pick that I actually really like. He's going to make the Raiders linebackers life so much easier, Angelo. Uh, huge man, 6'4", 340 pounds, and can eat two blocks at once like it's a, like a, a Pringles potato chip, my man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he, he will find a role very early on in a weak defensive interior, you know, at that. Like, this guy is, seriously could be on the line in the rotation week one. So, uh, and then to further that, that they, they see the hole in that in that range. So that the pick right after they take Matthew Butler, two defensive tackles. They want to turn this weakness into a strength. And you, you have to. With how incredibly talented every offense is in the AFC West, you have to be sound on defense. Like you just if you want to compete in the AFC West, Angela, you gotta have a perfect team at this point, it seems like. It's just absolutely filthy. Uh filthy. It's, it's it's unbelievable. And then um on a team that needs you know, depth, versatility, just anything you can get. I just say bodies at the offensive line position. I, I really think any pickup is a good one. And then Funmore is a guy that has an imp- imposing physical profile. Uh, he always won his reps, reps with strength and has a really good pad level, despite having, you know... Increased- a really good what? A really good pad level, so you know how oh. I feel about him. <laughs> but he, he does struggle with uh, technique at times and lets his shoulders get a little bit outside of his hips, um, so he does get turned around a little bit too often. But once again, just there's that physical aspect there. You're hoping you can bloom him into a guy that can come in if, if need be. You just need bodies for that, so I can't, I can't knock the pick at all. Uh, the, Ra- the Raiders, are like I said, every team in the AFC West feels that it's time to compete now. They have a lot more holes in the trenches and needs to be filled before they make the jump. The jump, um, but they they attack some of them in the NFL draft, and I I do think that they are still the furthest team away because their trenches are just, in my opinion, so much weaker than the Chargers, than the Chiefs, and the Broncos. Uh, I think that they still have a few years before they make that jump, regardless of the addition of Devonte Adams. I mean, if the addition of Devonte Adams doesn't show you that they're ready to win now, I don't know what will. So mm-hmm. uh, I I just I think they still have a few jumps to make, but this draft was in the right direction despite having the minimal picks that they did. So I'm going to, I'm going to give them a B as well. I agree. I actually liked the Raiders uh, draft just fine for what they did. Like a first and second round pick for, for Devonte Adams. Uh, I'm not going to scoff at you, especially when that's all you gave up, like in the terms of not having to give up future assets, having, having Adams and then signing Chandler Jones like mm-hmm. that, that having that, big boost defensively too you get Parham who I know you said was overrated but at not at pick 90 I think that's why you like that pick more is because he really dropped a lot further than I think most people thought I saw a list recently of somebody's personal rankings but he had Josh Jacobs as like the 31st best running back Mm. and I guess I just missed the evaporation of Josh Jacobs Uh, maybe it was Injury, maybe was well, I don't know. I, I I had always had a positive opinion about Josh Jacobs, and it just doesn't seem like maybe that's shared anymore, and especially by the front office of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. But I do love Zamir White. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one of those picks that I I'm very very high on. It was one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. White was the uh, top. I think he was the number one running back recruit. In the country coming out, he has been very productive, very productive in the terms of what he was able to do his senior year. And in Georgia, you have to sit behind guys. It's very odd. Top running backs will still go there to play 
regardless. It really is running back you. Mm-hmm. White, uh, uh, you know, waited his time. He did not have the elite jump that Najee Harris made, where Najee Harris went from pretty good running back to, to in my opinion, to, oh my God, this is a generational player. But Zamir White went from, he's like, okay, to, you know what, Zamir White's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's kind of the jump he made. I thought he could go before some of the other running backs that went ahead of him, to be honest, like Rashad White, like like Tyrion Price. Like, even if he went ahead of James Cook, I don't think that was going to happen. But I, I thought that it was possible, but obviously not. So So with White... I really like that as a future. Now, I don't think he can be – I'll say this. I'm not sure he can be a 20-touch game a guy, mm-hmm. a, a game guy. I, I don't don't really think that's in his future. But I do think that he's good enough to bridge or maybe even have as like a thunder to a lightning or something like that. I really like him. Uh, Farrell was one of – Ed's underrated guys. And if you notice this, uh, look at this. Dylan Parham went to Memphis, which is in southwest Tennessee by Arkansas. It's it's right there in SEC country, like Arkansas, Mississippi, all right there. That's So that's SEC country where Parham was. Zamir White, Georgia, Farrell, LSU, Butler, Tennessee. <laughs> they attacked in rounds three through five. The South, like 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 SEC, and then Memphis with Parham, Ohio State with Munford and Brown. So I like their draft for what it was. I really do. The really the only pick that I kind of was like trying to convince myself more and more it was the very last one in Britton Brown, the running back from UCLA. And it's like, like I said, you're you're trying to build your your backfield of the future, and you know potentially you could get a steal on this guy. I just have a feeling at this point, at pick two hundred and fifty, Britton Brown was probably the best player available on the board, and that's that's kind of just the the decision they made is, you know, once you're that late in the draft, you're kind of just doing best player available. So really all, all the picks make sense to me. And I really like, like you said, with that thunder and lightning type of uh, deal with the backfield, I agree. Um, I don't think that, you know, like this is the only comparison I can think of off the top of my head, but you know how the Browns utilize Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like two very different running backs. And Zamir White is kind of more that compact, smaller guy that can run through like a bowling ball type of guy. And I, you know, if, Whatever, whatever your f- future plans are, they picked up Kenyon Drake as well. Am I, if, if I'm not mistaken? So I um, think you're correct. Yeah, I'm not too sure how that long that contract is, but you know, potentially that can be kind of that duo backfield because I agree. I don't think Zamir White's going to be the guy, but I absolutely think he's going to be a guy that they love to use. So overall, with the acquiring Devonte Adams, the minimal picks they had. I, there's nothing to complain about the Raiders draft, and across the board, I don't think there's anything to complain about the AFC West drafts. No, no. So I, I think it's fun. By the way, I was just trying to look up Zamir White just to see, because he is, he's so, so strong. He's so, yeah. I mean, he's so, when you say he's compact, hold on one second. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, For, for his size, look, he got a 9.82 out of 10 in the athletic profile. He ran a four, four flat. God. Wow. For, for Randall, one, he's like 210 pounds, 215 pounds. Or 214. God, it, dude. He's like 5'11 and 6'8. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. You know what? Zamir White might just be the Damn. bell cow back. Yeah. I told you I love this pit, yeah. Brendan. 
Dude, he's reminds me a little bit of myself. No, get me yeah, out of oh here. Oh my god, get me Brendan, out of here. Yes, yes. I, I would love to see Brendan Bullard and Zamir White, and you just look at him go, it's like looking in a mirror, huh? Dude, I, I told you I'd love this. Take. It's one of my favorite picks of the draft. I think Zamir White was definitely underrated. We're at a 1 5 1 10 yard split. Oh my so, god. It's just crazy. Oh my god. Wow. You know, no, honestly, like. God, this AFC West. I mean, put just just put every division matchup on a primetime game and do us all a favor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready to rank, my man. I'm ready to rank. All right. So what would be... So this is where, where we're going to, I think, get in a little do si mm-hmm. So number one and number two are going to be two teams. It's just what order. I think we know that it's going to be between the Seahawks and the Chiefs. It is going to be between the Seahawks and the Chiefs. It's not even a question. It's not even on close. That. Like, uh, you see, like, I truly, for where the Seahawks are at in their franchise, to be able to land that many, like, bases to be able to start a foundation, I truly, I like, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset if you put them number one, Angela. I really wouldn't. It's just like, they both had such successful drafts but are in such different positions. It's just like, what do you value out of it? You know, it's like, do you value a team being able to get like a basis for rebuilding a franchise? Or do you value a team that's ready for, you know, to compete for a Super Bowl and still have have found a way to find starters on an already phenomenal football team? So what I am so so what I am seeing here mentally is that one team, if it, it, it's like this, I love that the Chiefs got two defensive starters that I think both of us think can be pro bowlers and then to get sky more, but they did have to trade Tyree kill mm-hmm. and the Seahawks had to trade Russell Wilson to get the ninth pick, but they also have Jamal Adams as kind of like their defensive, right. like centerpiece. And I know people's opinions are conflicted about Jamal Adams. He gets made fun of a lot. I don't think that's fair. I, I, I really don't. I think Jamal Adams is really good, to be honest. No, um, I agree. His impact goes beyond the the jokes about him not being, you know, a legitimate uh, coverage safety. No, I, he, he's he's a different type of player, and you just have to understand how to appreciate him. Yeah, so it's, yeah, I, I think, like, I'll see things where player X has more career interceptions than Jamal Adams, and it's, like, painfully funny, but, right. like, terrible. Like it's just that I, I just think that he's still a really good football player you want on your team. And I get that that maybe the price, especially after this year, was a little steep. But I, I felt like at the time it was almost fair. Because I feel like you, you have first-round picks to get guys like Jamal Adams. Right. So I, I would say this. If you look at it, Cross and you know Karloftis plus you know Adams with McDuffie, and you compare it across Walker to Moore. You compare it across to to Maffe to wh- wh- which linebacker did they pick again? Uh, Chanel. Oh yeah, they were the Chanel yeah. team. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. and then Lucas, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen. They got Kennard. All right. Oh, this is this is this a is good tough one. This is a because good one, the Chiefs <laughs> had a really good draft, but so did the Seahawks. Who, who are we going with? I feel like. I'm going to have to go Chiefs. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like yeah, the, the Chanel Chiefs. pick, kind of just like the fact that they might have gotten even just one more guy that could truly be a dominant defensive starter kind of puts it over the edge for me. Well, for me, then, it's that you potentially got 
a starting guard and a starting wide receiver and a starting corner and a starting edge rusher. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, no, yeah, no disrespect to Seattle, but it's just like for what the Chiefs, how successful they already are, and to be able to have such a successful draft on top of it, it's just so annoying, man. For, for, for Tyree Kill, though. For a <laughs> yeah, price. For, yeah, for a huge price. I mean, we both agree that Tyree Kill is the – I mean, I don't know if you'll use the word best, but I'll say the best player in the NFL. And then on top of it, like how drastically that's going to change their offense. Mm-hmm. But – and it's their fault. They didn't pay him top dollar, and that's their fault. So mm-hmm. I, it, it's almost hard, but – if we're just talking about, because I don't want to sit here and be like, you know, it's it's like revisionist history. Oh, the Chiefs are amazing, and then it's like this dark past. Like the Tyree Kill thing is the dark past. Oh gosh! But that... I will. It's hard because function. Now that I'm thinking about the Tyree Kill thing, let's just put let's just put Chiefs one. We'll put Seattle two, and we'll move on from there. Okay. All right. If anybody if anybody wants to rip us for that, get at us on Twitter at NFL Draft Blitz. So three. You know, honestly, I I wouldn't be upset putting like the the Chargers here. Change up your own grades? Yeah, just because like, you know, the way that you're it was like I was saying earlier, like I wouldn't be upset had you had put the Chargers over Denver because I could absolutely understand it. I think the Chargers got more guys that are going to become valuable to them. Um but the got the the Broncos, I just think attacked their needs just so perfectly and throwing the addition the uh I think the acquisition of Russell Wilson has to count for something. They 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 literally needed a franchise quarterback, and they got and they got a a guy that I think was elite. You know, prior to last season, and I guess the half season where it went poorly for him the year before. I mean, I thought Russell Wilson was an elite quarterback. So no, I agree. I I mean, I've I would make the argument that he for the last you know ever since that defense fell apart, there was very few players in the NFL carrying a team as heavily as Russell Wilson was carrying the Seattle Seahawks. All right, so we'll put them at three, put the Chargers at four. I guess we're going to put the Raiders at five. Yeah. Oh, man, that NFC West is is rough, Angelo. Golly. That NFC West <laughs> is rough. Um, I almost want to put the Rams over the Cardinals, but right. I – because if we're talking about, like, how the draft picks, like, it's, it's just like their draft picks were just – Oh, hum, but like getting Stafford and Vaughn Miller using right? your picks. Like, or, how, how can we sit here and say, I'm going to put the Rams I mean, over the Cardinals. I agree. I, I can see it. I can see it. If you're taking that, it, I mean, it got him a darn Super Bowl for crying out loud. Yep. So we're going to put the Rams fifth, or I'm sorry, the Rams sixth, Cardinals seventh. And, and that, which is insulting because fans of the Rams will be like, so Denver gets Russell Wilson, doesn't win anything, but we get Vaughn Miller and Stafford and we're lower. <laughs> we're, and it's like, well. <laughs> You know, your picks have to count for something, too. Exactly. I don't want it to just be like, we're not grading trades here. Right. You got you to gotta hit some home runs in the draft process. Yep. So I will take, we'll take Rams 6th, Cardinal 7, 49ers 8. All right. I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. I'll run through the list one more time just so our fans can hear it. So at number one out of the teams from the West, we have the Kansas City Chiefs having the best draft. At a very close number two, we have the Seattle Seahawks. At number three, the Denver Broncos. Number four, the Los Angeles Chargers. Almost always want to say San Diego still. Number five, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Number six, the Los Angeles Rams. Number seven, the Arizona Cardinals. And number eight, the San Francisco 49ers. 
That wow. San Francisco 49ers draft was terrible. And a lot of this is, like, of course, trading picks and stuff. But, yeah, the West trading a lot to try to keep up. And what was once a division on pillars, we now, like Coldplay said, it was just pillars of sand. <laughs> pillars on sand. Like, it like it used to be such a strong division. Oh. It, it, but now, like, Seattle turned the clock back. The Rams and Niners are still elite, and the Cardinals are trying to stay there, but it's starting It's starting to chip away. No, absolutely. It's like it just a, a little bit of that power just flooded into the AFC West, and they're like, now we're taking over as kings of the NFL. Boy, I am. I have never been so excited to watch just divisional matchups like they're going to be a freaking playoff game, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? We get Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes twice a year. We get Russell Wilson versus Justin Herbert twice a year versus Derek Carr twice a year. Mahomes versus we get Justin uh, Herbert, Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes twice, twice a year. I mean, it's just it, it's endless, dude. It's endless. I am going to be like a kid on Christmas morning every single Monday. Thursday, Sunday. I, golly, I can't wait for this season, Angelo. I can't either. But this was a fun show, man. This, it really was. We was... did it. We did a good job with this. I, I think it was more of the probably the most boring, just because like the only top, the only top ten pick was Cross out of the entire mm-hmm. all eight teams. Mm-hmm. I love me some Charles Cross, though. I'm not complaining about. No, no. Honestly, it was this. This was a good example of players that fell to us. Like I thought, I had Cross rated higher than he went. I had Karloftis rated higher mm-hmm. than he went. You had McBride rated higher than he went. Like guys like that. No, absolutely. I just like and like I said, the the AFC West for across the board such a high ceiling. It, it was similar to the to the last show we did. All those teams just had such high ceilings. There wasn't a team we were just, you know, really ripping on and that's kind of how it went for for my teams today. Uh can't can't say the same for the NFC West, but no, I All right, let's stamp the date. Uh this is being recorded June tw- June 2nd tw- 2022. Who wins the AFC West? Oh brother. Oh. Nope, putting you on the spot, got to answer. Let's do it. All right. Call me crazy. I'm going on a limb. I say Russell Wilson takes the Denver Broncos. Oh, what a homer. Yep. What a homer. No, just kidding. And, and I, I, I'm not as high on the Broncos as everybody else is. Like, I guess everybody in Colorado land kind of sees them as more in, impenetrable than I do. But neither here nor there. I, I do like Denver. I think they can be a double-digit win team for sure with Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm going to take the the – Los Angeles curses. I mean, Chargers, <laughs> because that franchise truly is cursed. But I don't think there's a team that is complete through and through at all, at all twenty two starters as they are. I think they they are damn impressive to me. I, I just, yeah, no, I, th- I think that. I mean, honestly, I agree, I agree with that take. I mean, like like you go position for position, the the Chargers can square up with anybody in the NFL. I mean, anybody in the NFL. It's just like they have had such phenomenally incredibly talented rosters and it just it just falls apart it like the chargers are like say what you want about my browns say what you want we we're just dumb okay we we have been dumb for the last 20 years yes the chargers are just so unlucky they're so unbelievably unlucky and you know hopefully this is the year that that doesn't happen but um i i you know i i I see your view i respect your opinion because i i agree that position for position they could go with anybody in the league and so you heard it here first angelo's taking the the los angeles curses and i'm going to be taking the denver broncos so 
All right. Well, this was fun, man. We got a couple shows coming up. We'll probably do that for the next uh, draft. That way we could say one more uh, nod to, to the 2022 draft before we go, but. No, absolutely. It it was a great one. So we have to give it. Uh, it's it's a nice a nice respectable farewell. All right. Well, you can find me at Angelo Media Lex. That's A N G E L O Media L E X. All one word. And you can find me at Bolin Brendan. That's Bolin with an A, baby. And then if you wanted to follow our collective Twitter, that's at NFL Draft Blitz. So um, Angelo, once again, always appreciate having you on the show. Appreciate your breakdown and everything you bring to the table, my friend. I appreciate having you on the show as well. Thank you, Brendan. Of course, and we both appreciate the heck out of our fans. Would never be doing would wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. And once again, can't wait to be back on uh, later in the week. And we're gonna have two shows for you from here on out. We're gonna keep saying it until you guys listen to both of them. So I'm excited to get back into it next week, Angelo. Fantastic show today. You folks take care and take it easy. <laughs>